This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. <laughs> so Billy and I are talking before the show starts. Oh, welcome to the Church Boys, by the way. It's me, Chris Field, Dope Emeritus, and Billy Hallowell, Faith Editor for the Blaze, for the Blaze, not Blaze Magazine, the Blaze. And um, anyway, so Billy and I are laughing before the show starts. <laughs> He's he has gotten a new habit, and most of us on staff find it quite irritating. However, <laughs> Billy, tell, tell America about your new bad habit. Here's the thing. All right. There are so many things that enrage me. And, you know, normally I don't say a whole lot because I, you know, I, I try to be as good as I can be about keeping my opinion out of, out of too many things. Right. <laughs> on the show, we share opinion, but I try sure, to yeah. I'm, basically here's the deal. I'm writing open letters to everybody that that pisses <laughs> that me is, off. That's the bottom that's line. That's his new that's his new habit. That the rest of us are going, rolling our eyes going, oh. I wrote one to How America it again. Okay, about the whole gay so, cake drama. Okay. He writes and open letters to him. He writes an open letter to America. That's not enough. Then he's got to start getting specific. Well, so the next open letter is going to be addressed to the Girl Scouts of America. <laughs> you're an organization you're very familiar with. Obviously. Yeah, an organization I clearly know a lot about. <laughs> um, no, I'm absolutely enraged. And I'm going to express that in a written letter okay, so that you, will be published on The Blaze. So what are you enraged about now? Well, you know, listen, the Girl Scouts, every five minutes somebody's angry with the, some conservatives <laughs> angry with the Girl Scouts. But this is actually legitimate, okay? In 2011, and I have to contain, this is like the marijuana debate, I have to contain myself because it's so enraging. <laughs> in 2011, a parent came to me and said, I, you know, I think her daughter had been part of Girl Scouts. She had left the organization over concerns that it had become too liberal, sure. blah, blah, blah. Right, we've heard that, yeah. She comes to me and says, there's a workbook for, for kids, for, for little girls, that recommends that if you want to fact check and get good information, that you should go, that these little kids should go to Media Matters for America, to their website, <laughs> and it gives the web address. Of so course, naturally. I'm thinking there is no way in a million years that this is true. Right. There's no way. Right. This is somebody who's overreacting or it's like an, it's like a crazy email chain that ended up on Snopes that nobody believes. Right. Right. Exactly. But so she's like, no, I have evidence. So she shows me the pictures from this page. As it turns out, it's entirely true. So the blaze does a story on it in December of 2011. Fox News covers it. Lots of people are covering it. OK. Now, what year is it, Chris Field, right now? What year are we well, in? This would be uh, uh, 2015. There you go. So we're four, almost four years, three and a half years past that. Now, I've done follow-up stories in the past. I did one in 2012. The Girl Scouts told me at the time when I reached out to them, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to change this. We're going we're gonna to tweak, you know, we're going to let, it's going to be optional, but we have to make right. sure all the books that are on the shelves sell because we're not going to reprint. So we'll give people the option. Right. That's it. They gave people the option. If they wanted to take the books off or put a sticker over it, they could. Um, well, <laughs> spoiler alert. In three out of the four locations this woman went back to this past week, and these are different cities, the same damn Media Matters language, address. Language. No, I <laughs> please, I'm going to lose it, is in this book. They are, I don't care. Look, if it was Freedom Works or if it was Media Matters, it would equally be wrong. You don't put a partisan website in a kid's book and tell them that that's where you go to fact check something. Or it's at least wrong. Or at least don't have it as the only thing you fact check. Like if you were to have Media Matters and Freedom Works or whatever the the opposite of Media Matters would be, if you want to give both sides. But why even do? Why you're talking about like for? I think I can't remember the grade. It's like third grade girls. Yeah. Why? Why are we even going there with partisan stuff? Just there are yeah. lots of websites you could find that probably would be nonpartisan. So what was the topic they were supposed to be fact checking with Media Matters? Media misinformation. <laughs> Media misinformation. The book was about media. So you're going to the one website that is basically the arm of the Democratic Party. Sure. Yeah. And I don't care. Again, if it, I think Freedom Works would be an equivalent, right? Well, so, uh, Media Research Center. You know, Brent Bozell's Media Research Center. That's a better. Yeah, there there you, go. you go. That's a better option. And, and both would be wrong. So why are we? 
bottom line is it's ridiculous. And so I'm going to write an open letter basically complaining in a longer form than what you just were subjected to. So I got to so I got to ask why is it uh, I get the I get why we find it wrong, but they are a private organization, right? No, they are. But here's the thing. I don't think most parents know. Let's face it. The parents who have their kids in Girl Scouts, most of them, they want their kids to be in a good organization. It's got a great history. And this is not perceived, at least on the surface, by hardworking Americans that don't have a lot of time to be a progressive organization. It's just a kids group, right, right. that you're putting your kids yeah. in. Yeah. I think a lot of conservatives see it that way. And I'm not going to get into the other elements. I'm just concerned about this book. OK, yeah. that's what I'm concerned yeah. about right now. I think there's a lot of great things in the Girl Scouts and there are a lot of things people don't like. But you should expect that if you're going to put a media misinformation book out for kids, that it is not putting a website like Media Matters in as the only authority on where to go. Right. Since half the country would say um, they're the king of misinformation, media misinformation. Right. And half wouldn't. So the point is, right. let's be fair to all the little girls. Right. You're, you're indoctrinating kids. That's what's annoying about this. Right. These or are kids. Be, or at least be honest about say, hey, listen, this is a Media Matters is a liberal leaning website, whatever. But I would be. Le I'm not as outrageous by by you as you are in that uh, I think it would be, I wouldn't have a problem with putting Media Research Center in there next to Media Matters. Says, hey, listen, to get more information on viewpoints on how media is honest or dishonest or media, you know, accuracy and that sort of thing, here are multiple websites to go to. And you listed among several MRC and Media Matters and other places. Well, listen, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just don't know that a third grader, and I might be wrong, I'm pretty sure that was the age yeah, range, a, is going to be able to process that. Right. The fact that so, it's in but, the, yeah. but the fact is they offer no other option. That right. is, And this right. whole entire workbook is about media misinformation. Right. So right. that's the issue and, that I have. And the fact that they told you they were going to deal with it. Well, they, they, they basically said they were going to leave it optional for the groups. But, I mean, you would expect, if you haven't sold your media books in three and a half years, it's time to pull them off the shelf and put a new book out there. Maybe. It, it's it's insane. I want yeah. you to, I'm actually enraged with you that you're not more enraged. Oh, look, he wants me to be furious. You're going to get an open letter. <laughs> open letter to Chris Field, put on the blaze and everywhere else. You're a douchebag. Why are you more upset about this kind of thing? I mean, I'm actually like, I'm not as enraged as I am perplexed by it. I don't understand yeah. how it happened yeah. and how it's continuing to happen. Now, will your little girl ever be in... Uh, Girl Scouts? I mean, hell no. I mean, no, if, not if, if this crap's going but on. But if this if this kind of thing weren't going on, would your child be in? Oh yeah, Girl I mean, Scouts. Listen, I think I don't. I'm not like anti. I know a lot of people are anti Girl Scouts. I'm not. I think you know. I think there's a lot of great things, a lot of good skills you can learn um, in Girl Scouts. It's these sorts of things. And listen, there are mistakes that happen. There are anecdotal issues. But I think that any organization that knows this happened, it was a big national story, and you've continued to allow it three yeah, and a half years, no, there's a problem. Yeah. So no, hey, you know, see, my, not I wouldn't have my kid in it for a multitude of reasons. One, I don't trust the Girl Scouts. Right? They, have, they have a, they, they got a record over the last five, ten years of, you know, some not wonderful things. But the other is, I'm, I don't think my kid would be that interested in it. It's not a horribly active thing in our community anyway. But like you and Boy Scouts, I'm, listen, I'm pro Boy Scouts. You know, as an organization and as an American, I think that the Boy Scouts do a positive thing, but I'm not going to try to get my son in it unless he really wants to be in it because that's a lot of time and dedication to an organization that mommies and daddies got to put a lot of time into, which is fine. But my kid's going to play sports. He's involved in his church and he's doing all these other things. I'm like, why do I need to add another thing to his list of crap to do? Well, you know, there's a lot of other, and we've done stories on other options for parents, Christian yeah. options and church options. I mean, when I was growing up, we had one in our church that I was a part of, so I wasn't a part of the Boy Scouts. Was it, caravan? was it Caravans? You know. What? Was it Caravans? What was it called? In our caravans. church. Caravans. Caravans was, uh, that was, oh, I guess that's just a Nazarene thing. I grew up in the Nazarene church, and they had something that was similar to Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but it was but called. But who names a group Caravan? That's caravans. Like, oh, we're going to Caravan. Like, I don't Bizarre. know. <laughs> But it's called, Mine was boy, it's called boys Caravans. Brigade. But we had the little hats with patches on them. We had the sashes and the scarves with patches. Of course you, you had earn, a sash. You could earn patches and things, that sort of thing. Of course you had a sash. <laughs> Along with my man purse. All right. Uh, okay, so. What are you working on? Well, here's what I'm working on. And I was telling you a little bit about this before we before we started. And there's a piece that came out from Gawker. And the reason I'm interested, the reason this popped up on my radar is it had super, superheroes on the brain. Because last night, I, my wife and I finally went on a date in the first time, first time in, in months, months, we had a date night last night. It was a Thursday. So, but the kids, uh, the two oldest 
kids are out of town. The eight-year-old and the four-year-old are out of town down at my uh, my in-law's place. And we have the infant and my pastor and his wife said, hey, why don't we watch the baby and you guys go out on a date? So we went and got burgers and went to a movie. We went and saw Avengers. Have you seen Avengers yet? The new Avengers, Age of Ultron? No, I'd like to, but I want to see um, what's Jurassic Park first. Mad, so. Ma- Mad Max. You want to see Mad Max? So. I don't know what it's about still. <laughs> but I, I don't. So we went to see Age of Ultron, which, by the way, I absolutely love. Listen, I'm not a huge superhero nerd, nerd Nick, but I enjoy it, and I enjoy the Avengers franchise. I like what they have done with Iron Man and Thor and Captain America and the two Avengers movies and how they 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 built these characters separately and created their own movies and then brought them together for the Avengers movies. I think they're fun. I think they're a blast. Uh, and um, James Spader does the voice and... I don't maybe they I don't know if they did the computer thing for him to do the motions of Ultron the big bad robot, but he is excellent. I'm, I'm a huge James Spader fan. Did you do you like the Blacklist? You ever watch the Blacklist? You know I feel like a bad American because I like I like the Blacklist, but I started getting bored with it. Like I started getting like it's like what happened with Fringe. It's like okay, you know what? I get it. There's a lot of bad people, and you keep telling me their stories, but I need to go eat dinner now. Like I can't keep watching this. So we like we like the Blacklist. The wife and I. It's our probably our favorite show to watch together and uh the whole the whole about movie, bad girls club why don't you tell the truth bad girls club what is bad girls club it's where bad girls uh live in a house and do bad girl things was oh, this one of your lifetime what? shows no i don't watch this my oh, wife sure my wife yeah. find a trashy show on tv and my wife watches it i promise and you, you sit right there next to her saying honey no this is, no 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 this is fabulous but i'm gonna tell my friends you picked it <laughs> No, I will not watch The Bachelorette. I will not you, watch. I know you're lying. Things. You, I know you watch The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Oh, I swear, I hate, I hate it. It's. I've seen it's the conversations awful. that you and it's Seidel Girl has, Scouts Media the Matters. Conver- awful. The conversations that you and Seidel have had on Slack and other places about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. You're obviously a fan. I am not <laughs> a fan. You want to enrage me? You want me to get? You want another I'm open trying, letter? I'm That's trying the to get you enraged. So the wife and I are watching Age of Ultron last night in the theater. And the whole time we're staring at Ultron. Whenever he speaks, all we see is Raymond Reddington, the main bad guy from The Blacklist, which is played by James Spader. In fact, he even has like the head motions where the, the head's cocked to the side and he's talking, and it's just very James Spadery. Anyway, it's really good. We really enjoyed it. Are there flaws? Sure, it's a superhero movie. But anyway, so I'm reading headlines today, and I'm looking at Gawker, and there's a piece by Gawker on Gawker by uh, Sam Biddle, uh, Certified genius, I guess. And um, you don't believe me that he's a certified well, genius? You don't believe me he's a certified genius? I don't. Um, okay. So I, mean, I love... Wait a minute. Yes. I just want to point something out before you tell this story. Uh, this is Chris's version of an open letter, okay? Uh, what is it? What you're about to hear is Chris's version of a very angry man's oh. calmed, calmed down letter to another writer, so, and he's not going to explain so writing, it that way. I'm, writing, I'm in the middle of, you know, we're recording this. I interrupted. I'm in the middle of writing a blog post, and right now it's already longer than it needs to be. But in the middle of writing a blog post, I'm going to have to clean up and maybe tone down, but at least trim down, responding to Biddle's nonsense. And the name of the piece is Spider-Man Can't Be Gay or Black. I mean, that's just simply what he put on there. And and so you go, what what are you talking about? Now, Spider-Man is in the Marvel world, which is also the same world that is occupied by the Avengers characters. In fact, Josh Whedon, the guy who created the Avengers movies, who directed the Avengers movies, wanted to have Spider-Man by the end of the movie. I read that this morning too, because I was reading up on a couple things because I wanted to see what, so what I just saw last night, I don't live in that, I don't live in that comic book universe. So I wanted to try to put pieces together. And, and I saw us believe that, Chris. But I okay. saw Josh Whedon had said, you're such a jerk. <sighs> Josh Whedon had said he wanted to get Spider-Man in, but it didn't work out. They didn't have the licensing or whatever. Anyway, because Spider-Man is still licensed by Sony. And in the last five, in the last 12 years, 13 years, since 2002, there have been five, five Spider-Man movies. Three with Tobey Maguire and two with that other kid. I can't remember his name. The other nerd. Because it doesn't matter. Anyway, so Biddle starts his... This is the first two paragraphs from Biddle's piece. Why are Spider-Man movies so bad? Maybe it's because the character has become stale, locked down by arbitrary contractual definitions. A leaked agreement between Marvel and Sony shows us why Peter Parker always looks like Peter Parker. 
Only in recent years has the notion that a superhero or a villain can be something other than a white man or a cyborg who wants to impress white women. Gay heroes have appeared, but only in the margins. Uh, Batwoman recently had a gay comic book marriage, as did North Star, but on-screen AAA marquee heroes and villains still generally resemble a young Republican luncheon. Okay, well, because, you know, young Republicans tend to be the good guys. So anyway. And tend to, and tend to hold luncheons. Yeah, and tend to hold luncheons and, and bloviate. So anyway, so I'm I'm reading this, and I so I and I get down. I'm like, okay, I understand you you've got an agenda, but it's actually so I'm reading the whole piece, and there actually is an agreement. It's and it's based off the the reason we have this information is because of the Sony hack. So he goes on and he lists what the contractual agreements are, and he says it's important to remember that <laughs> Spider-Man, no matter how much we wish it weren't the case, is a fictional character. There's no real Spider-Man, so it's bogus to say that Spider-Man necessarily has to be anything other than some kind of Spider-Man, I guess. Except for the fact that this is a creation. Of someone, this is someone's artwork and their lifetime achievements. I mean, Stanley and these other guys who created Spider-Man. Why are you messing with it? Anyway, says, but a legal licensing agreement between entertainment giants Sony and Marvel, released during the leak of the former, uh, the Sony leak, uh, shows that the beloved superhero absolutely cannot be certain things, including black or gay. And these mandatory and forbidden traits are spelled out individually. And this is the contract that Spider-Man, that Sony and Marvel put together. In what, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. And it says, mandatory Spider-Man character traits. Spider-Man must always strictly conform to the following mandatory character traits. Male, does not torture, does not kill unless in defense of self or others, does not use foul language beyond PG-13, does not smoke tobacco, does not sell, distribute illegal drugs, does not abuse alcohol, does not have sex before the age of 16, does not have sex with anyone below the age of 16, not a homosexual. And so what does, well, how does Biddle sum up these characteristics of Spider-Man? This is, this is a quote, and I'm going to have to bleep this out in post. Wow, Spider-Man is a fucking dork. That's the level, that is the level of discourse we get from the left. If you are believing in traditional American values, you have any sort of conscience whatsoever, if you have standards, you are a f***ing dork, in Sam Biddle's words. Again, I'm going to bleep that, so I have to write myself a note. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, but I'm furious about this. Yeah, well, you're furious. This is your open letter that you're going, you're doing what I just did with the Girl Scouts, but he, you know, something you just reminded me of that we haven't done that we were supposed to do oh. was to call Seidel, John Seidel, oh, yeah. and talk with him, and I'm letting the audience in on this. I don't know that we're going to do it, but maybe, maybe not today, but call him do an interview with him, and then bleep it out continuously. <laughs> we should do that. Absolutely. We, we should absolutely do it. <laughs> anyway, continue. And even though he's not cursing, just make it seem like I he just is. make it seem like he is? I love it. Yeah. All right, so anyway, so back to this idiocy at, from, from Gawker. So this guy, he starts out with, first, though, a false premise. Like, he says, are the Spider-Man, he says the Spider-Man movies are bad, right? They're, why are they so bad? I mean, so bad. I said, and, I, and I write, they're not my cup of tea. I'm not a superhero, huge superhero fan. However, they're fun movies. And, and the Spider-Man movies are fun movies. But if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, and critics use this, and listen, critics love Rotten Tomatoes because it gives them a platform for their views to be heard. They have chosen a profession where they get to tell other people, other Americans, what to think about movies they haven't seen yet. That's their profession. And the only way for them to get attention is to be listed on places like Rotten Tomatoes. And, and moviegoers... Go watch it. I gotta shut down Slack because it's interrupting. Sorry. Movie movie watchers take it into consideration. If you don't think that's true, look at your phone apps because most movie time movie most apps you have on your phone to get movie times, you know, linked to Rotten Tomatoes. So what does Rotten Tomatoes say about the Spider-Man movies? Well, let's see what the critics say. On Spider-Man from 2002, critics gave it an 89. Spider-Man 2, critics gave it a 94. That was in 2004. Spider-Man 3 in 2007, critics gave it a 63. Amazing Spider-Man in 2012, critics gave it a 72. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 in 2014, critics gave it a 53. That's the worst rating it gets is a 53. Christian movies would kill to get a 53 from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. But he says that they're so bad. Well, they're not so bad. And then the second thing that he does, and just in the opening, and just in the opening, he says the movies are locked down by arbitrary contractual definitions. But why should we be outraged by that? The characters, the creators of the character want to define and stay true to the character of the character they created. Why is that well, an outrage? I mean, because we live in this world where you can be whatever you want. 
Duh. Rachel Dolacek, whatever her last name is, she taught us. You can be whoever, whatever you want. But and how that's does, why. I mean, and what's what's amazing is that Biddle, a guy who writes for Gawker, is going to tell the creators of Spider-Man, a character that has been beloved by tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Americans over the last more than 50 years, he's going to tell Stanley and the other people, here's what Spider-Man should be like. He ought well, to be, are you gonna he, ought to be a flame, he ought to be Wait. a flaming Latin black Wait homosexual. Wait a minute. Who shoots are rainbows instead of Rachel... shoots rainbows instead of spider webs. And he was Are you gonna tell Rachel Dolezal that she can't be whatever she wants to be? That's dang right, I'm telling Rachel Dolezal. You can't be whatever you want to be. Well then fine. Maybe right. you have a point. Okay. So anyway, so there's my outrage of the week. Speaking of superheroes, now we gotta take a break here in just a minute, but speaking of superheroes, we have an interview coming up later in the show that you all are going to want to listen to because because it's an actor you know. He's taking a stand. He has taken stands before, and he's taking a stand again. And he's got a new movie coming out. But I'm just going to, right now, before we go to the break, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm just going to give you a hint. Hercules, 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 Hercules. Is that a good enough hint, Billy? You're awful. I know. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with the, uh, oh, wait a minute. Did you want to get into this? Other? No, we'll get to it in a minute. We'll be right back. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Back to the church boys. I was just holding back a yawn. It was really bad. I was about to come in, and I'm like, I gotta hold this yawn back because I'm not going to be able to, you know, start this segment of the show with a yawn. So one of the stories, and in fact, it's from Friday that I just I love mainly because it's just so bizarre. Uh, is really what's going on over in Northern Ireland. It seems like every other week there's some sort of bizarre free speech restriction in Northern Ireland. Uh, and, and this particular one, we talked about the Asher's Baking Company, the Irish baking company that uh, didn't want to make the pro-gay marriage cake and they were found guilty of discrimination. Um, ironically, even though it's easier to be found guilty of discrimination in Europe, apparently you're only fined like $500 as opposed to the recommended $130,000 fine that the American bakers were hit with. Uh, Well, they might be hit with. We're still waiting to hear back. But I digress. Getting back into what's going on in Northern Ireland, we have this pastor. His name is James McConnell. Uh, He's 78 years old. He worked at Whitewell Metropolitan Tabernacle in Belfast, and he delivered a sermon. Before we even get into the story, I'm actually going to have Chris, cue up just a little snippet of this sermon that he delivered in May of 2014. Okay, I'm Take the, a listen. All right, I'm at the three-minute mark. Is that the right spot about? Yeah. Okay, here we go. think that Islam was a little more than a variation of Christianity and Judaism. Not so. Islam's ideas about God, about humanity, about salvation are vastly different from the teaching of the Holy Scriptures. Islam is heathen. Islam is satanic. Islam is a doctrine spawned in hell. Whoa. (laughs) Islam is demonic. My favorite part is when he goes, "Mm," at the Mm. end. Mm. Um, But anyway, that, okay, so those comments, part of the, I think it was like a 30 some odd minute sermon from what I saw. Basically, what happened is somebody complained. The police questioned him because there is a law, friends, in the UK. It's called the Communications Act of 2003. And I want to read to you a portion of what this says. It would says, you, "Wait, wait. Would you read read it in an Irish accent, please?" Oh no, I've lost Billy. Billy? No, I'm here. Okay. I was in a, a cough fit because oh. I'm still coughing. Uh, three shows <laughs> later, and I was on mute. Gotcha. So the bottom line is. I can't really do an Irish accent because it becomes all different kinds of nationalities that aren't Irish. Like I end up being Bobby's remember Bobby's world, the mother from Bobby's world. That's what I end up sounding like no matter what accent I start with. So I'm going to read it in my, in my own voice. And a person is guilty of an offense. That is not an Irish accent. That is not an Irish accent. Is that an, I don't even know. All right. Uh, a person is guilty of an offense if he sends by means of a public electronic communications network a message or other matter that is grossly offensive or of an indecent, obscene, or menacing character. That's a law. That's an actual law on the book. So anything that's, quote, grossly offensive. So basically anybody who's offended, right, 
uh, well, by something grossly, that's grossly but, offensive. So, so who determines what's grossly what grossly offensive means? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, but the bottom line is, somebody complained. Uh, people complained, and the police went and questioned this guy. Ugh. Now he was offered something, and I, I don't know the exact because I don't know how UK law works in particular. But he was offered. It's not like a plea deal, but it's like basically something they give you, and it's called an informed warning. You don't have to go to court. Yeah. You basically it sticks on your criminal record for like twelve months. But can you imagine having a criminal record for? I mean, listen, you don't have to like the comments he made. You don't yeah. have to like the tone he made, but a criminal record for what we would have in America as a First Amendment right. I know, I know. So anyway, he bypassed this informed warning, and now he's going to be prosecuted. He's going to have to go to court, oh. uh, and he's you know basically it seems like he's vowing to to fight it. He's well, not going to be silenced. I mean, and, that, and that's good. I mean, it's, it, listen, I, theologically speaking, there are a lot of people who would agree with what he said theologically. But you and I have had these long discussions about is that the way to teach people, right? Now, or, or to reach people. Now, that said, he may be theologically correct, that sort of thing. But And, and it depends on the crowd that he's in. If he's speaking to people who are like, you know, I'm Christian, but I'm going to go with this. I'm going to believe this is okay, and this is okay, and this is okay. I'm going to live. I'm going to live actually a pluralistic life and pluralistic religion. You know, Christ says there's one way to get to God, but I'm going to say, you know what? There's a whole bunch of ways to get to God, and he's putting people in their place. That's one thing. But if he's just going out and criticizing for the sake of criticizing, that maybe is something else. It's not criminal, certainly, but maybe not the best way to. Yeah, he was talking about people. Islam in the UK. I didn't watch the whole sermon, but he was talking about Islam, and he did say at another point that you know I'm trying. I might have the quote in front of me because I don't want to not do it justice because it was also <laughs> another one of those ones where you're like, oh gosh. He basically said, you know, a lot of people say there are, there are nice Muslims, and that may be so, but I don't trust them. <laughs> like it was that you know, so he kind of <laughs> went that route with it. <laughs> Um, wow. Now, the reason he would be in trouble under that law that I read is not because he uttered the words, but because he allowed them to be streamed online like most churches do. Right. So by putting them through an electronic means, you are then violating the law if it's grossly offensive. Well, now, now, putting them through the electronic means, wouldn't that also include just a microphone system in your own building? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, what if, what if you walked outside... And with a megaphone like you always do in your neighborhood and started right. screaming things at your neighbors. Right. Right. Obscenities. You should, right. you should see the walls people have built around their homes near us. <laughs> well, actually, it says public electronic communications network. Well, but see, like, so it has but to like be a, a network. P, like, but like if you go to a if you go to a, a large church and this guy's speaking at a large church, what do you what do you call what do you call the mic and speaker system in a, a large building like that? What do you call it? I don't know if it would be a network, but I guess if there were different address, rooms. But you call it, I mean, they might just be a different term, but we here in America call it a public address system. No, PA we system. here in America allow free speech. Okay? Yeah, but I'm saying we call it a public address system. I'm just wondering if, if what, is the, what is the word they use? Public electronic communications network. Is public electronic communications network the Irish legal term or the Irish way of saying public address system? I mean, those would be very similar things. You know what? I, I just... I don't know. You can't you can't refuse to bake a cake with a message on it there that you don't like. You can't apparently call uh, other religions demonic. I mean, this is what's the world coming to? Uh, I've got plans, Smithers. In seriousness, Excellent. though, you know, I, I think, again, we have to go back to our interview with Pamela Geller, which we had on the free fall. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you heard it. You should go back and listen to it. She, she threatened to end our interview at one moment and you can yes, listen for I that know. little. And Billy was so offended. He. You have lived off that for a week and a half. It's like it's like fun drama, you know. Even though when you listen to it, it's not all that dramatic. But she did threaten to end the interview. I would. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Spoiler alert. I'm not going to spoil it. All right. So you know what? We were going to get to this prostitute story, but we need to move on. Do you want to tease people about what's coming up after the break? I promise I'm not going to touch the thing and interrupt you. Do you want to tease them what the interview is? It's coming up after the break. After the break, we have a riveting interview with Lou Ferrigna. No, I'm kidding. It's not Lou Ferrigna. <laughs> it's not Lou Ferrigna. Um, and it's Ferrigno, it's, not Lou Ferrigna. Ferrigna, Ferrigno, Ferrigna. I don't know. I don't Ferrigno. I haven't gotten one Lou person's Ferrigno. name right today. Rachel Dolezal I had wrong. I called her Dorchester. I don't know what I called her, but <laughs> wasn't Dolezal. Last week it was and now Spokane. I've got Lou, what's his name? Ferrigno? Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno. Does it matter? Because he's not on our show. Kevin Sorbo is you, on our show. And he can't hear you say it anyway. Kevin Sorbo, former Hercules, God's Not Dead, Professor Radisson, who got hit by a car, spoiler alert, oh, is no. on our show. You've ruined, you've ruined the movie for tens of people. Tens of people. 
Um, but yeah, so we're we're gonna go to a break, and then we're gonna give you that riveting interview. All right, stand by for news. And now back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my. Kevin Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo. I don't know why I did that. I have no clue why I did that. But Kevin Sorbo, it's been a long week. Okay, uh, that's why. So did Kevin you, Sorbo did you see is the on our show. Did you see the picture Actually of extraordinary. you? Did you see the picture I, I created of you and Kevin Sorbo? No, where where is this the picture one I put of me? On, and Kevin I think Sorbo? I put it on Twitter. 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 Lou Ferrigna. No, I saw on the Twitter. Eminem picture of me though, and I loved yes, it. Yes. Well, I did one of you and I did Kevin Sorbo's, you know, playing Hercules. And I put you oh, over. I, no, no, I saw it. Okay. I blocked it out, but I remember it now. <laughs> That's stupid. You're an idiot, but I, I love I it. Am it's an great. Idiot. I have very little, or very few things to do, so I have to do something. To I keep love it. Busy. I love it. Well, Kevin Sorbo, the thing I love about him is that you can kind of ask him anything, and he'll tell you. Oh and, yeah. Um, totally. So we talked about his new movie, The Secret Handshake. Right. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, well, we you did. looked a lot. I don't know. Are you, you asking me? See Chris? No, you can't see Chris, but I'm watching him and he looked vacant for a minute. It what? was like disturbing. <laughs> so I had to check. Me? Like, are you okay, Chris? <laughs> um, so we talked about his movie, The Secret Handshake, and then we also uh, talked about politics with him. We did. Chris yes. had some very demanding questions of him <laughs> on where he stands and what the future holds for America. And will he be reprising his role as Hercules? We also and in God's Not Dead. And in God's Not Dead. So we asked him about his career as well and, you know, what he's got planned. And is, will he be back as Hercules? So, uh... Professor Radisson. Oh, Professor Radisson. Dead Professor Radisson. So, I'm sorry. I spoiled it again. That's a... It's a little too late, though. All right, Wait, are you talking about how Kevin Storbo dies in God's Not Dead? Oh, Billy, you ruined it. You ruined it for America. All right, it's time for the, uh... Let's let's just go to this this interview. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, here's the interview, and there you go. Action. <laughs> I hate you so much. Okay, here's the Sorbo interview. <laughs> it's Billy Hollowell. I'm here today with Chris Field, and we've got a special guest. It's actor Kevin Sorbo on the show today. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for being on with us. My pleasure. Good to be here. So, you know, you have, it, it's crazy. I feel like you've been monumentally busy over the past. I mean, you've had, you've had a very busy career for a long time, but you've been doing a lot of film, a lot of movies. Um, obviously, God's Not Dead was a huge one. Um, it grossed a ton of money, brought in a ton of money. And now there's a sequel to God's Not Dead. And I figured we would just launch with this question. And I feel like it's such a stupid question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you? Is there any possible way in a million years that you're in God's Not Dead too? You know, initially I was gonna be. They're gonna do a little bit of like uh, heaven is for real type of thing, where you know they pick up where God's Not Dead left off, or they pick me up off the street, the ambulance when they think I'm dead, but um, they actually bring me back to life. And I went somewhere, someplace, somehow, and I was gonna go on my own sort of soul searching mission in in, in uh, Israel. And uh, for whatever reasons, the uh, producers at Pureflix didn't want to do it. I'm, a little bummed out about it. I thought it was going to happen, and uh, they're they're filming now. I think they're on the second week of filming already in Arkansas. Yeah, and I know there's. I don't know if it's public, but I know some of the people who are in it, and it's you know it's it's a good cast. But you were a huge draw for that film, so it would have been interesting for them to carry on with well, you. Maybe, I think that could have been a fun plot. Is that? There, uh, yeah, it would have been. It would have been fun, but for you know whatever reasons they had, they decided they uh, didn't want me or use me, and so I'm I'm out of the picture. Maybe maybe there could be some sort of spinoff where it's Radisson's not dead. Yeah, there you go. Would that work? <laughs> I'll come up cool. with my own. I'll figure it out. <laughs> but you do have, I mean, you do have another movie, the, the Secret Handshake. Can you tell us a little bit about the plot? What can what can viewers expect with that film? You know, it's like it's like a, a coming of age type of story. It deals with Amy Grant's son. She plays the uh, the mother of this of this teenage boy, thirteen, fourteen year old boy that's uh, going through his own deal right now because his father had passed away years earlier. Found his father dead when um, he was doing some yard work and. Um, he gets involved with the wrong group of kids. Uh, Amy Grant at the end of a rope doesn't know what to do, and then I sort of step in and say, "Look, why don't I why don't I try to help out?" You know, and so myself and two buddies take this kid out on a weekend to go camping in the woods to basically, you know, help him turn into a man. And uh, 
it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful comedy. It's a it's a touching. I mean, it's it's funny. Somebody, uh, some group. I don't know. Was they branded as a Christian movie? It's not really a Christian movie. I mean, it, it should. I mean, if it even has a PG rating, I'll be shocked on it. But I'm sure it's it's no worse than a PG. But uh, it's just it's it's a wonderful little comedy. It's wonderful and touching at the same time. And Howie Klausner wrote it and directed it. Who did a fantastic job. He probably best known for uh, his his script um, Space Cowboys that came out years ago with Tommy Lee Jones and Clint Eastwood right. and he just oh, yeah. did a he did a yeah a great movie uh, James Garner's in that movie as well he did a great job with this and I think this is going to be another one of his one of his movies that people will know him for he's a very smart man very funny man always wants to go for the humor and jokes because I play the father of three kids and ironically they're his real three kids in real life he's three girls I have three kids myself two boys and a girl so. I can relate to the jokes on there being a father and all, but uh, we had a screening just a couple weeks ago in Nashville, and 1,200 people showed up for it. It was amazing. And wow. wow. It was just good fun. Yeah, it was just good fun, and it's out there now or, or this week or sometimes in, in Walmarts everywhere across the country. Cool. What was it like working with Amy Grant? Because I know she, it's, it, she's sort of done a lot of really interesting stuff outside of music, too, and, and acting being one of those things. What was that like? You know, I've known Amy a long time. I've done a couple of Vince Gill's tournaments um, out there, the Vinny, and I'm a big got the golf tournaments. He does a big celebrity event, which is great fun. So, uh, obviously, wonderful talent, beautiful woman. Um, just it was it was great to work with. It was great to uh, I had a couple really nice scenes with her, and uh, it, it turned out it turned out great. You know, I mean, obviously, she's a big addition to the movie. So, um, it was just it was just fun. It was just fun to be part of it and do it and. And, and hang out with these guys for the, you know, four weeks out there in the beautiful uh, suburbs of Nashville. And uh, the, the movie turned out, like I said, turned out really well. So, Kevin, I wanted to ask you one other um, uh, celebrity question. Now, you are a dreamboat, and everybody knows that. Um, if they were to if they were to suddenly say, you know what, it's, and I remember Hercules from when I was a kid. I mean, I was a kid, kid. Yeah, make me feel old. Thank well, you. Well, that's not my intention. My intention here is actually to hopefully help make you feel younger, if we say it right. If they were to say, you know what, we want to relaunch Hercules, could you do it today? Oh, no, I think I'm too old for it. You know, I'm still in shape, but I couldn't beef up. I was up to 230, 235, lifting heavy. I was all through my 30s. You know, I'm an old dude now, so yeah. I'm still in shape, but I mean, I don't, I don't lift those kind of weights anymore. And uh, you know, I was a little bummed when uh, Dwayne Johnson did the did the movie. Not they didn't have me on a cameo of some sort like they did with <laughs> with Lou Ferrigno in the Hulk right. movie. You know, right. why, why not bring me on and have me do something? But That'd they right. they turned us down flat. They told my manager, nope, not interested. So I thought that's kind of weird for you know the iconic role that that was in the '90s, passing Baywatch as the most watched show in the world. Right. Why would you not give it a little bit of a I don't know, a little bit of a, a handshake, so to speak? Right. At least, yeah, that's at least. At least bring you in to play the crazy uncle or something, right? Well, exactly. You know, age me up, make me Zeus in one scene. Whatever. I don't <laughs> care. But, I mean, it would have been fun. But uh, I doubt, you know, they're, they're not going to bring that back. That's not going to happen. But right. uh, I did I did just sell a series to NBC, a pilot. So oh, we're yeah? going to the pilot hopefully this year, and hopefully it, it does well, and I'm back on TV on a regular basis. Can you give us any, Can you tell any, us anything about it? Anything about it, yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely in the faith-based world. I mean, my wife and I, a uh, long time ago, were talking about, you know, you look at what God's Not Dead did, which is huge. And I, another movie through Cheerflix that did called What If, which I think is even a better movie. But five years ago, they didn't have the power to get it out there like they did with God's Not Dead. So I highly recommend What If. People can check it out on Netflix. It's a great right. movie. And, uh, you know, I talk, you talk about that, you talk about, um, you look at movies, TV shows like Touched by an Angel, Highwood Heaven, Seventh Heaven, those shows all had like eight, nine, ten-year runs. They were huge hits, but nothing on TV the last 10, 12 years like that. Right. So my wife came up with this idea for this show, and uh, we nurtured it, and we went around to all the networks and cable outlets to try to sell it, and NBC uh, had bought into it, which was fantastic, and we'll see what happens. It's, it's, I'm not going to give a title away right now, but it's not touched by an angel. It's more like punched by an angel. Okay. There's a lot more, <laughs> a lot more, a lot more drama to it. A lot more uh, angst and, and interesting. It's not going to be sappy in any way. It's going to okay. be an interesting show for people. All right, cool. Well, you know, Kevin, I get to do. I go on your wife's show every Thursday. I love, I love her. She's she's great. We uh we get to talk politics every every Thursday morning, which is always a lot of fun. Now, wait a minute, Billy, are you cheating on me? And, and, she, <laughs> and she said to say hi. He's cheating on you. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I am with with Sam. She's great. She's uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's a good transition too because I wanna I wanna ask you. I know Chris does too a little bit about about politics. And in the past, I remember there was an interview you and I did 
probably two or three years ago. And you and you said some really harsh stuff about Obama. And I know a lot of people covered that interview. Um, are you feeling any differently about Obama these days? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I mean, my, my my opinion was that Jimmy Carter's worst president this country's ever had. Now this guy just took his place. I mean, look, I, I will tell people if you're about to walk down the aisle, whether you're the, the male or the female in the wedding, and one and one one or the other turns to you and says, "Hey, the minute we're married, I am going to fundamentally change you." How many people would still walk down that aisle? And yet here we had a president that said on national television, so I'm going to fundamentally change this country, and 50 million people said, "I'm okay with that, sure, okay, let's go for it." You know, but you know, it's it's that 50 million people that. Uh, well, obviously not all of them are looking for handouts, but there was a big chunk of percentage of that that's pretty happy just to live off uh, tax dollars of people that are willing to work hard and uh, do what the, made this country great. And we are now a socialist country, and tell me where socialism works. Right. Tell me, are, are people flocking to live in, in other socialist countries? No. If that was true, then why isn't Canada have 300 million people instead of just 30 million? You know what I'm saying? Now, Canada's a beautiful place. I'm not knocking Canada. I lived there for five years up there, but... You know, you look at the tax base, you look at all free health care. not free health care. People are still paying for it with very high taxes. But, you know, you've got to get, uh, for the health care up there, if you have to say you've got a hernia operation, you've still got to wait three years to even get the operation. Get right. in line. Right. And why did the Prime Minister of Canada come down to uh, Chicago for his surgery three years ago? What does that say about their own health care? Yeah. But, well, you know, are, are people swimming from Key West over to Cuba? No. Are people flocking to North Korea? I mean, we're on, a, we're on a road in that. We're on a path of that within our own country, and it's kind of sad. It's, it's sad that we're, 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 we're basing our, our future on just making everybody the same when we're not all the same. You know, some people are better than other people. You know, yeah. Tiger Woods was the best golfer in the world for 12 years. Did it make the other golfers upset? You know, that's unfair. He won the Masters. We should all get a trophy, you know? I mean, yeah. come on. Competition is what made this country fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate your comments on socialism and and. Listen, this is a every, every on this show anybody is free to bash Canada anytime for any reason they want as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's a reason that they all that you know 98% of the population lives within 3 feet of the border, right? They either want to be and, and, and also look at the third most populated city of Canadians in North America, it's Toronto, Vancouver and then Los Angeles. So, <laughs> trust me, I got there for 5 years, like I said, I loved it up there, worked with great people. But you know, there's a lot of bashing going on in America too, and I used yeah. to look at them and say, "You know what?" You're right. America's horrible. You would be so much better if your country is on top of Russia or China. Oh, wait a minute. You wouldn't be Canada anymore, would you? you know, so. Well, exactly. But the, 98% of the population is within three feet of the border, practically. Oh, yeah. So they either they either love America and they want, or they're planning to invade, which is what I'm scared of. So here's the deal. Who is the first country anybody calls when they're in trouble? Do they call Russia? Has any has any Middle East country any any um. Muslim country come to the aid of other countries that yeah. need help. Have they have they helped out in America anyway? Have they helped out in Australia, New Zealand. Have they helped out in Canada? Of course right. they have. Right. So okay, but so they don't, they don't look at that. They don't pay attention to yeah, that. I uh, I agree. And now on taking your pro America stance, which I absolutely love and adore, um, Donald Trump announced, and he came out with a lot of pro America rhetoric. And there are a lot of people I think who have been. I'm going to taint the question here, duped into believing that he's some sort of conservative or Republican. What are your thoughts on Donald Trump and his announcement yesterday? Uh, you know, I found it interesting. I wasn't surprised by it. I mean, Donald's a very outspoken guy, far more outspoken than I am. He's probably far more intelligent than I am, too. I'm not building, you know, 80-story buildings and filling them up with people. So he, right. he knows what he's doing. But uh, <laughs> now I think he just wants to... He wants to get his message out there. If he believes he can win the presidency, then fine. But I, I, I honestly think he just wants to get out there and have a voice of some kind to say, you know what, guys, we need to look at what we're doing and what's going on because this isn't right. It's not America's going down the wrong road because this country was built on individuals. It was not built on a big government. But unfortunately, with their school system, the way it's been over the last 50 years, there's been a slow brainwashing of every kid coming out of every public school. Yeah. And our public schools are horrific. I mean, we rank... Last time I read, it was like 57th in the world in public education. California, where I live, ranks 50th. We're the worst public educated state in the country. Jeez. And all we do is throw money at it, thinking that's going to solve the issue. It doesn't solve the issue. It starts at home more than anything else. Yeah. And parents have to stop using public education as a babysitting tool. Yeah. That's you, a good point. I, I, that's I, a really good point. I don't know how old your kids are. Are they in public school, or were they? We homeschool. They're 13, 11, and 9. All right. Wow. And your wife does yeah. that? Or are you, are you, do you help teachers? Is that something your wife has taken on? 
No, my kids are smarter than me. So <laughs> my wife does all the she does all the homeschooling. So I'm not smart. I'm not smart as a fifth grader. I'm you, to admit it. You teach PE then? I, that's what I do. I take care of physical education. That part is true. Okay, good. Let me ask you this, Kevin. So if the, if the election were tomorrow, and you could, or you know, the primary were tomorrow, you could pick a candidate. Who would be the Republican that you would like out of the bunch? I tell you what, I, I I've had um, I've had dinners now with with Walker. Uh, I've met with Ben Carson. I've met with uh, Senator Ted Cruz. I've met with uh, Bobby Jindal, um, uh, Rick Perry, who I thought was amazing as well. There's, there's some good guys out there, and you're also going to get a knee-jerk reaction from anybody that's been the same, even on the same political fence during this time, because you know what happens when, when they get together and do all their, their, their debates with each other, they bash each other. And I think the Republican Party's got to go, got to do better than that. We got, we, they got to, they got to come together some way, somehow. They can disagree on how they look at the country, but I think if they consider themselves conservatives and Republicans, I think they have to be on the same team somehow and not be so nasty, because I think Americans are tired of all these negative ads, negative you know, get-togethers. It's just like, guys, let's, we, we know what the problem is. Here, here's, here's my biggest pet peeve. My biggest pet peeve is the non-term limits for Congress. If the president gets eight years max, why are we giving Congress members 40, 50-year careers? Get them the hell out of office. When, when the voting comes around, I tell everybody, I said, Vote opposite. Vote everybody out. Any Democrats in and out, replace them with Republican. Any Republican, place them with Democrat. Let's get new people in and new blood all the way around. And they get eight years max instead of them constantly worried about getting reelected. They know they're only going to be there for a short time and be forced to live under the laws that they make us live under. That's interesting. Ter- term limits is always a fascinating discussion because people get so worked up on both sides of it. I have actually always agreed with what you just said. I don't see why you should just be allowed to forever and ever and ever campaign because that's all they're doing. Oh no, it's all they're doing. And just and it gets ridiculous. It's like, guys, enough of this. Enough. Let's you know, and, and the whole setup initially was supposed to be farmers and teachers and doctors. They're supposed to be walk of life. How many what's the percentage of lawyers now on both sides of the political aisle that are in Congress? It's huge. Right. And that's yeah, got, that's got to end. They, you know, it, they, you know, I, I had to deal with a lawyer during a thing with um, during my Hercules years, and he actually said to me, "Well, it all depends how you define the word definition." <laughs> I was like, "And this is what they do, and that's why the Constitution is being constantly rewritten, and uh, our forefathers are turning over in their graves." I agree with you. We have a whole bunch of there are a whole bunch of really good candidates on the right among the Republicans. Right now there's 12 candidates running and probably another four they're going to hop in. How do we, uh, the people in America are, has such short attention spans. Uh, oh yeah. And, and, and getting, as can be. right. And so how do we, we know that they're not going to do the research into all these candidates, even people who call themselves conservative and maybe share our values and our principles, but aren't willing to put in the work, but might watch a debate. Uh, how do, what are we, how are we supposed to handle this oh. 16 people? And even if they're all good people, what, what is, what, how do we get the message out to say, listen, this is what these people are saying. Make a wise decision. I'm, I'm perplexed. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, and it's tough to get people to change their votes, too, even, even if they know. Uh, you know, my parents were hardcore liberals out of Minnesota, the Walter Mondale, Hubert Humphrey world. But if I sit there and ask them 10 subjects, we cover 10 different categories within the polit- political world, 80% of what they answer makes them a conservative. But they just, uh, they just would vote that way. Right. And if you look at people that claim to be Christians, 75% of Christians, people that say they're Christians, didn't even vote in the last two elections. Well, yeah. you know what? You get the government you deserve. Yeah. And you've got to no, get out there. Pastors got to wake their congregation up. I mean, you can't sit there and say that religion and, and politics shouldn't be mixed. Of course they're mixed. Of course they are. This country was founded on Christianity, for crying out loud. And now, and now it's like it's an embarrassment to even say you're a Christian. Oh, you can't say that. Yep. You know, you can bash Christians all you want, but don't say anything about Muslims because, you know, God forbid, that's the peaceful religion, is it not? I all mean, right. it's insanity what's going on in this country right now. So, it's absolutely insane. So, but, you know, people don't want to hear the truth. It's a narrow road, the truth, you know, and people don't want to hear it. They'd rather live in their own little bubble. And you got people that want to vote for that free stuff that isn't free, that's bringing this country down. Because we, the unemployment rate cracks me up. And it's, both sides are guilty of this. They always claim, oh, it's only 5.8% right now. Of the... Of the 100 million people that could easily work in this country right now, easily, 
there's 40% of them that don't work. That, that 5 or 6% is based on people actually looking for work. Right. It doesn't count the other 40 million out there that have just given up and saying, I don't feel like it. They, they're capable. I don't care if my tax dollars go to help people who really need help. I'm all for that. But we all know this. And but everybody's got to admit that tax dollars are wasted. They're totally yeah. wasted out there, and people abuse the system big time. Yeah. So you grew, I, didn't, I didn't realize you were from uh, Mondale land. How did you escape the Mondale mindset? <laughs> I know. First time I could vote, I voted for Reagan. My dad was beside himself. You know, he thought that, you know, that the Carter's be reluctant. And here I was a teenager, and I said, you know what? I got a feeling this guy is going to go down as worst president ever. And I saw him the way back then. I mean, you, look at look at all of the phony stuff that was out there during during his presidency, all, and all the stuff that happened. You know, oil, oil was gone forever. We were getting gas lines. I mean, double digit inflation, double digit unemployment. I mean, it was unbelievable what this guy did. Yeah. You know, and everybody just went, oh, you know, you guys still vote one way. And it's just, it's how do you battle that right now? We have so many people that are living off entitlements right now. How do you say you can't have these anymore? I looked at uh, Ferguson, and I said, this isn't the only place it's going to happen. Sure enough, Baltimore happened. This is going to continue to happen. Yeah. It's going to continue to happen. It has nothing to do with, with black kids being killed by white cops. It has more to do with the black culture um, being frustrated being upset and being angry, and there's no guidance within that culture. I, you know, black lives matter, of course they matter. But then they should be also up in arms that the thousands of black youth killing other black youth in cities across America happen yeah. every single year. Yeah, and the, Thousands in Chicago, thousands in, in, uh, in New York or in L.A. And it's like, God, why are we not upset about that? Of course we should be upset about that. Right, and the fact that we're not upset about those things points to the actual problem, doesn't it? I mean, the whole heart yeah. issue, the heart issue that we have. Why, why is that okay? But it, it's not okay for, you know, and I don't know. It's, it's sad. I mean, it's, well, just, it's, it's, it's sad, and I... I, I, I would love to be able to do something about it. I just spoke in Baltimore a couple of days after the um, riot there. I, I went there to speak at a Youth for Christ event. There was 1,600 people there, and uh, it was interesting. It was interesting to hear what people had to say and what's going on. And most people, they all, you know, black and white, they say, you know, it's the breakdown of the family. It's the breakdown of the traditional family. Well, you know, people want to talk about systems and what's wrong with systems. And I think those are those are always good conversations to have. People are going to disagree about whether or not a system is biased you know, towards certain ethnicities and certain races. But what about the system of welfare, which you hinted at? You know, we, nobody's really talking. I mean, some conservatives are, but about how the system has really trapped people, too. I mean, if you're if you're going to talk about systems, you need to address how that system has, you know, really kept families for generations um, from from being able to flourish. And, and it's affected anybody who's who's been on those benefits. And so um, that's not to say we shouldn't help people, but is there a way to get people off of benefits that, shows them what it means to um, find value in work and find self-value in that too. So I, I think all these things are really are really interesting. Well, listen, Kevin, we, we really appreciate it. We want to have you back for sure again sometime soon if you're willing. Sure, we'd love to. I hope people can check out, check out uh, The Secret Handshake. Great family movie. It'll, it's out very soon. It's going to be in Walmart all across the country. You can get it online, Amazon, all those places. And right. it's a, it's a wonderful thing showing the showing uh, actually the value of the family system and how important it is to have parents that care, you know, because parents are just as guilty, you know, we're, we're all not perfect. There's no question about that. But, um, you know, to so talk about that, I got thrown my two cents because you brought the social welfare system, you know, and when that was signed into law by LBJ back in the 60s, I'm sure he meant well by it, but he did create uh, a you know, cradle to grave dependency yep. um, amongst people that said, okay, I, I'm going to live off of welfare, and the more kids I have, the more they'll give me. And we have an epidemic of that going on in this country right now. And a lot of these kids, I mean, how many times you, when you watch, you know, look at the pro sports that just ended now with hockey and basketball, certainly in basketball in the football world, you say, oh, that's his mother, that's his grandmother, there's no father in their life. These kids grow up and they, they say that and they admit it and, and when they get interviewed and they talk about how tough it was for them growing up. And it's, it's tough and you need to have, kids need guidance, they need, they need a positive guidance. And a lot of these kids in inner cities, they only find it in gangs, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, the government never provides it, so. Well, well, they provide it in terms of keeping them um, financially. They go, yeah, we'll pay you for doing nothing. Right. And uh, obviously that's where they're getting their votes too, which is just sad. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Well, listen, thanks we appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. All right, guys, have a good one. Take right, care. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye bye. So earlier this week, 
Billy had a really touching story, and I'm, and I, and I actually Facebooked this and tweeted it, and was trying to be really nice about it and sincere. You were and, so Christian about and it. Nobody believed me that I was being. That was the sad thing. It's nobody because you were me. way too nice. It was I know, like, wait a minute. But I, but you put out this piece. You get, you did a video. Who'd you do the video with? Who, who helped you make the video? Mike Sorrentino, who's on our, who's on the TV side. He's a producer on the TV side at the Blaze. He really was the creative mind behind. You know, I did the interview, and right. then he really just put it together. Well, it's a really great interview about this this um, young lady who was a prostitute and was into just about everything, and um, and God reached in and shook her shook her up and shook her life, and she is now um, ministering to prostitutes. Right? Did I have that right? Yeah, people in the sex industry, people who are also being trafficked. You know, which. Right. There's a I, there's crossover there, obviously. I mean, if you've got a pimp, you're being trafficked. So and her name her name is Andy. Oh, excuse me, Annie Lobert. And um, anyway, let's. I, I want to play the audio from this. It's only three minutes. It's a great video. You should go online, go to the Blaze, search for uh, Annie Lobert. You'll find it. But it's under it's under the faith column, and it's called um. What's I'm put the, make the right headline so people can find it. She was a prostitute at the end of her rope when she says a near death experience changed everything. Um. So we're going to play this video so you can take in the audio, but I, I urge you go and check out this story and watch the video for yourself because Annie's story is amazing. And the way she tells it, you can tell that there's something that has happened that has totally, totally, totally changed her life. Um, so here, we're going to play this video and then we will uh, be right back. I was like, please, Jesus, save me from myself, please. I don't want to die. I don't want to die like this. Like, there was no light at the end of the tunnel for me. Like so many other girls in America, Annie Lobert grew up in a small town, but hers was a home filled with turmoil. Sexual, physical, and emotional abuse drove her to search for a way out as she grew into her teens. And that is how she discovered the easy money that came with prostitution. My girlfriend told me that, hey, listen, we can go into those rooms and tell these guys anything they want to hear. My conscience was so hardened at that point in my life. I had been date raped more times than I could count. I had been dating different men that took advantage of me. And this is what a lot of call girls think and prostitutes think and girls that get into the sex industry. Look, I've already been taken advantage of. Why don't I charge for it? For 16 years, Annie made easy money but became trapped in abusive relationships with pimps who took everything she had. But she kept her determination to make something of her life. And things were good for a while. She stopped hooking and started a business with a friend. But the demons of her past haunted her. She became addicted to drugs as she sought to fill a void left by a lack of companionship and love. And her drug addiction cost her her friendships and eventually her business. When I finally came to the very end of myself and hit the wall, basically the brick wall of my life, I had lost everything. Like I had lost my business. I had lost everything I had ever had to surrender to the traffickers. I had nothing to show for my life. And that moment in my life, I felt like I didn't want to live anymore. I was so ashamed of what what I had done and the, the bad choices I had made in my life that I was despondent. I just wanted to get high. On August 6, 2003, Annie hit rock bottom. It was the most scary and desperate feeling I've ever had in my life. And before it happened, I remember chopping up the lines, thinking to myself, okay, I'm gonna do these six lines. And back then we would call them railroad lines because they looked like railroad tracks. They were that thick. And I just did them all at once. My heart started racing in my chest and I got really dizzy and I fell back and felt like I was in hell. My funeral starts going before my eyes and the light hits my coffin and my family starts walking down the aisle, shaking their head, saying she was just a drug addicted prostitute. When the EMT came to my, to my room and then she put me on the stretcher and she held my hand and she asked me, she said, what did you do? And I finally was honest with someone about my life. I said, look, I did cocaine and I think I overdosed and I'm a prostitute. I don't know what to do, please help me. And 
literally, like, when I got to the hospital, the doctor was uh, so awesome because he, he came into the room and he said, look, young lady, you are lucky to be alive. You should be dead because there's too many drugs in your system. And someone as little as you and as, as thin as you should not be here right now. God must be with you. And I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus heard my prayer. And I realized God is real. Like he is absolutely real. And that changed me. Today, Annie uses her pain of the past as the driving force in her organization, Hookers for Jesus, which rescues other women from the sex industry. God's love is so much bigger than your problem that you're having. It's so much bigger than the money that you need to make. It is so much bigger. His love is so much bigger than what you're chasing, the American dream, that it's really all we really need is His love. And if I would have just known what I know now, how much that all these material things that we see around us really don't matter, that in all reality, people's dreams are all in junkyards right now and they're rotting away because materialism doesn't make us happy. That if I would have known that God loved me the, as much as I do now, I never would have done what I've done, never. But at the same time, let me put it this way, I'm really glad that what's happened to me has happened because I can help people that really need help. So, you know, gosh, when you hear that, it's like, man, Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many there's so many people yeah. whose stories are like that. And I feel like the media doesn't really cover them. The media don't they, cover them very often. And, well, and we do get care. a chance to do that. Right. They don't want to. But if they if they were to if if the media, if the left were to actually talk about somebody like an Annie Lambert, they would have to admit that something changed that person's life. Wait a minute. They don't want Lobert. to talk about it. Lobert. Neither of us can get what a is, name. What right did I say? Today. Lambert. Lobert. There's something wrong with us. Is it Lobert? I said. Did I say Lambert? What did I say? Like like. Yeah. Oh. Like Adam Lambert or. No. No, not, There's another not Lambert, Adam, I feel I like, I out there. Melissa Lambert. Well, you listen to Adam Lambert a lot, I know. So no, no. Probably why. No. Wait, was he the guy on Was he the guy on uh, American Idol? Yes. And then is he the one who, he he wanted to be a part of Queen, but he, did he, or then he performed with Kiss. Was that him? I don't know. You've now, you've now taken this so off the rails. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Clearly you follow him. No, no, I don't. I just, there's something that sticks in my mind about Adam Lambert and Kiss, because I think that, I hate American Idol. I have always hated it. However, they brought well, in there was the one season. Happy. There was one season when they brought in some mega stars, and one of the mega stars they brought in was Kiss, and Kiss performed live on stage, and it was fantastic. And Wait I a think minute, that's when Adam you Lambert. You hate American Idol? Hate, folks. Next hate. week on the on the Church Boys podcast, season fourteen, winner of American Idol. That's the goal. Get them on the podcast. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, I'm totally gone off the rails here, but. Uh, so the Cinderella ball that our nonprofit has hosted one year we had, um, who's the black kid that won the second season? Ruben stuttered who beat Clay. Stutter, stutter, stutter. No, 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 no. Ruben stuttered came and sang for our Cinderella ball. Cinderella ball is a, is a, is a banquet and prom and things for kids with disabilities that we host in Washington, DC at the Willard intercontinental. Anyway, so, um, Ruben stuttered came, and then for two years in a row, we had uh, Jordan Sparks came and did this, and she was fantastic. Oh, Jordan! Yeah, and then you know, and you know, you've written about him. I think Mary, Mary, they have yes. a TV show and their gospel duet. They have performed at least two years, if not three, at our Cinderella Ball. They're really awesome. Um, can crazy, I just point crazy as can out? be, but anyway, I sit. Uh, wait a minute, in Left Behind, the reboot. Uh huh. I am sitting in front of Jordan Sparks on the plane before I'm raptured. Are you just a lying liar who tells lies? Or no, you I'm not a lying liar. And Jordan Sparks and I talked during the filming. She sat right behind did me. Did she get raptured? Heck no. You did, though? I did. What kind of horrible, her- heretical movie is this? I've not watched it yet. I well, have it on my Netflix. I mean, you know, I will say this. Jordan Sparks was okay. She was nice. She was She's cute. Okay. She's very cute. Yeah, there were, yeah, she was okay. There are some really cool people on that set, though. Billy hangs out with with Hollywood stars all the time, so he's not <laughs> he's not starstruck ever. Uh, but I did. I sat in front of her. You'll have, I'm going to send you a picture. Uh, now you're going to have to leave us. You can tweet doc- it. Send me a doctored picture of you sitting in front of Jordan Sparks. So, anyway, back to Annie Lambert. 
The left, the media doesn't want to talk about it because her name is not Lambert. My golly sakes, I cannot get it right. <laughs> Dang it. Annie L- Lobert. Annie Lobert. No, it's not just you. Annie Rachel L- Rachel Dorchester or whatever I call this. It's it's in the it's water Bo- today. In Spokane, Washington. All right, say your important thing, please. Okay, so I don't even remember something about something changed her life. It was Christ who changed her life, and the media and the left don't want to talk about it because if they do, then they have to admit that something changed and it wasn't something make believe because there's real change that happened in her life. There, that was the point I was getting to, and we somehow veered off into American Idol, and now I am totally. The wonderful, nice things I was going to say about you and the video you made have totally gone out the window, and so I'm just done. Understandably so. <laughs> so you're going to go get your MacBook, right? Because you broke it. The and keyboard to... actually broke on my MacBook. No joke. Like the buttons came off? Yes. Which makes it... No, they didn't come off. How do you I even swear, get your buttons I off key... of there? No joke, I should have taken a picture. The A key wore out, so you couldn't see the A anymore. It, like, melted. And the <laughs> I key totally came out. Like, the innards of the I key came out. And they had to replace the entire keyboard. <sighs> That's what happens. And it actually happened after I hit the 7,000-story mark at the Blaze. Really? Wow. You just yes. wore it out, huh? So, un- you know, right I don't want to break the internet like Kim Kardashian. I just want to break my keyboard. All right, well. Don't let me talk you, anymore, you've please. Totally, you've totally broken the momentum of this show. So, I guess we'll go <laughs> ahead and wrap it up. Do you? Do you have any words of wisdom for the peeps? And if you say read your Quran, I'm going to have you arrested and shipped to read North Ireland. <laughs> and your Bibles. And the blades. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. You're so stupid. <laughs>